Welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colorist. Today's guest is Georgia Bell, owner of Society Salon in Rotherham in the UK. She's a colorist, an educator, a brand ambassador, and she was in the Fellowship Color Project in 2019. So welcome, Georgia. Thanks for coming on board. Thank you so much for having me, Jack. It's a pleasure to come along and talk to you today. Really excited to be here. So you've been in the industry for about 10 years now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, about 10 years. So 10 I years? Mm, yeah, always learning. <laughs> so tell me, how did, it, how did hair start for you? Um, I actually, well, just from being a Saturday girl, actually, in, you know, my next village on from me is where I really got passionate about it. But I actually started out doing fashion at university first, but I still really wanted to be a hairdresser. Um, so I, I followed my dreams. I sort of quit fashion and then I started like volunteering um, at a salon in Huddersfield where I was based. Uh, and then I just took it from there, really. This is, this is really interesting because a number of guests have been on and it's mainly been the American guests have gone to university to begin with and either taken the degree and finished it but because that's what they was expected of them and then they moved into hair, which is where their passion was. So can you just talk a little bit about going to fashion and how you discovered your love for hair? Well, I think it's all, it's all interlinked, actually, isn't it? Hair, fashion, beauty, that kind of thing. And I remember actually saying to my boss when I was a Saturday girl, I really want to do hairdressing. And he said to me, don't do it. Go to university. Go and do fashion. Um, and sometimes, you know, as a salon owner, you can get quite bogged down, and I get it. But that was always my dream. Um, and then... You know, I did about two years at university um, and then I just thought now and I sort of I was working in a cafe part time as well. And there was a really cool hairdressers in that that was like in a big arcade and it was called um, XTG, which stood for Extonian Guy. So I went up there to the girls and I went and spoke to them and they agreed to sort of take me on as a bit of a volunteer. And then I did like evening college um, to sort of get my MVQ, if you'd like, in hairdressing. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's a nice way around it. So how old were you when you went into hairdressing then? 21. 21, uh, so a little bit later than the 16-year-old no, thing. Actually, I was 22, actually. I was 22 when I, yeah, went into it. Um, but, I mean, I'd had sort of four years with Gary as the Saturday girl. I just loved it. I loved that salon vibe. I love, you know, the fact that you can really make somebody feel better. Yes. You know, and I, I love that. I think it's so special. I think it's one of the most personable jobs there is. Um, and I just, you know, really warmed to it and really wanted it. And I knew that I wanted a salon one day. Um, and then, you know, after I'd sort of worked with the girls for about four years at XTG, and then moved back to my hometown of Rotherham. Right. Um, I, you know, I sort of got with the team that, some of the team that I'm with now, and we were working all together at um, a salon. And then I decided to open my own salon. So that's a pretty short period of time, isn't it? From... Um, going back into hairdressing full-time and then four years on the floor and then deciding you want to open a salon. What did, what was that like? So, well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm now just feeling like I'm becoming an okay, a good hairdresser, you know, and actually it's weird because when I opened sort of, we had a couple of years all together at that salon um, and then I opened my salon and then I was on the salon floor for about, two years and I started like entering the industry stuff and I, I was getting to some finals and I was really out of my depth you know I spent all my time 
training the team with everything I knew and I had nobody helping me. Right. So it was at that point then that I decided, you know, to start writing to people that really inspired me in the industry just to try and get some help like, and just go volunteer and kind of retrain again which is exactly what I did. So you wanted to upskill. What what made you decide to want to enter into competitions, first of all? Because that's always an interesting one, isn't it? Because they can cost a fortune or not, depending on how you do it. Um, from a salon owner wanting to jump into competitions as well. Talk, talk us through that. Well, really, it was just, it, it, it was just my reps, my colour reps saying, we think you should enter this colour competition, we think you should enter this, so give it a go. Um, I'm not actually into competition work that much now, Jack, to be honest, but it did make me, when I went to these competitions, and I remember feeling so terribly out of my depth, you know, and actually you kind of make a st- you take a step back, don't you, and you reevaluate and you think, ooh, you know, it's almost like I always joked with one of my friends in the industry, I always said, I feel like I open, opened a salon and then I started to learn to be a hairdresser, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> Do you know? They're different skill sets, though, aren't they? The opening a salon and a hairdresser, they're, they're very different skill sets. I just think, you know, I look back now and I can see my work has, has, has improved greatly and I think that there's still a lot of room for improvement because I think if you want to be the best you're always open and you're always willing to learn but even the other night you know I was looking back to the work when we first opened and I was looking back to the the work we're producing now and I thought god what an amazing journey to actually witness and the the quality and you know what a learning curve yes I think I think it's always good this is one of the things I say about entering competitions though and even when I competitions I don't always mean hair competitions I mean brand competitions and you know, things like the um, the BHBA, the Business Awards and stuff like that. When you actually look back at your year's story, sometimes you're like, wow, that's really, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I made that leap. Or I think it's really good to self-reflect on what, where you've been and what you've done. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, it's great when you, you've tried and you've tried and you, you can see that that growth and that journey. And then you start winning the competitions that you're entering. And that's that, again, it just shows progression doesn't it it does it does now if you just recently you're recently renovating your salon aren't you yeah huge rebrand yeah huge rebrand I think this lockdown has given you us a lot of time to reflect on things and I think I was going to redesign my logo for because my salon was formerly called Twisted Scissors so I was going to redesign my logo and I was kind of went on a walk and I was I couldn't think of anything to redesign and I thought this is because I, I think I've just come on such a big journey that I feel like it's time to change it and you know I've been well, especially when I've gone to, to London and I've seen other models of you know freelance salons or you know like Hunter Collective things like that just really cool spaces I've been so inspired um, and I just I really felt it was time and then I think as well sometimes when you open a salon you know, I had, a, I had a baby the day before I opened my salon, Jack. So it was really rushed. Yeah, you know, everything was put in and I didn't really think about it. And we just kind of just, it was all go. And then when you live in something for... <laughs> you again, there's so many women in this industry that have a baby and carry on with their business. They just yeah. get on with it. Yeah, it's like, just like, how? I literally had a baby and I was at work the next day because I'd just opened the, the salon. So you... You spend sort of four years in that place and you kind of get used to it and you kind of see what works and what doesn't. So then in lockdown, you know, I thought, actually, these basins, they don't work here. These heaters are rubbish. I need aircon. I need this. I need that. You know, all the things to make a salon really function. I just thought about it and I thought, I've lived in this salon 
for four years now. My staff have lived in this salon for four years. And I've got to take in, into consideration everything that people like, what they don't like, what's going to make it run better. And, I, and now we've got a perfect opportunity to do that. So that's exactly what I've done. Well, how long has that taken to do the refit? Um, it's, we're, we're just moving on to week six now. But yeah. <laughs> six. So I'm going to ask you something rather contentious then about that, because I always think as a colourist, and of course you're a colourist, when you salon lighting is always made to make the client look skin look great and for it to be the ambience and everything it's usually a hairdresser that's designed it but when you get to the color department i'm like i can't see in this light it's where the skylights where the where the right lights yeah yeah no so okay uh we we have took the light into consideration it's it's not dark and dingy and we actually we want to in order or dark and moody or dark, dark and, and moody mo- yeah dark yeah. and moody i think that's a better choice of words actually yeah um i we need great social media and in order to do that we need good lighting. Right. Uh, you know, when I had big stations before and I had big long mirrors, clients have never really complained about the light, lighting. What they have complained about is seeing themselves in a huge mirror. So I've completely taken that away and it's just going to be from shoulders up kind of thing, you know, and just yeah. the hair is the feature. Um, so, yeah, but the lighting's good. I need good lighting because I think you, I think you can sort of, your work is in jeopardy if you don't have it. I think so too. I think it's really hard if you can... We've spoken to uh, people on here, of course, who have built time in to take their photographs and, uh, and consider all that. All the course, the Californians have fantastic light all the time. It's much harder for us to do that picture thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's really nice as well. We do, two, we do two types of photos in our salon. So, you know, sometimes I don't believe in a ring light because I think it can give a very false impression mm-hmm. of, of colour. Um, so sometimes it's really nice to go outside um, in natural light and take photographs as well. However, we are in the UK. We don't always get the best of weather. So we've got to kind of do with, with what we can, you know. Absolutely. I think that um, that ring light conversation is a big one, isn't it? But I, I sort of came around to thinking that ring lights were OK because all they were doing was showing an image of your work. It wasn't it's like having something done in a shoot where they've changed the lighting and brightened it up and all of that stuff. And so it's not a is it what it looks like in real life? Not necessarily, but it's uh, an allusion to the work that you do. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of colorists that edit the work as well. You know, they'll go on the phone with an app and they'll they'll edit and we don't do that. So the only thing we will use in our salon is, is a ring light. And we just make sure that the styling is really on point and we take a good 15, 20 minute um, for photographs because we feel like there's nothing worse than being able, not being able to capture that image. Um, you know. Are you, so are you, this is a really interesting one. So as we go back into working, are you building time into your appointments to take pictures as well? Yeah, I mean, we've always done, before that, we've always trained each other. Yeah. There's always been training sessions on social media within the salon where everyone's trained to a certain spec to take those photos. We know what we're looking for. We know we don't want want any stray hairs on the top of the head. We know the curls need to be, you know, there needs to be no gaps. If it's it's straight, it's super sleek. Um, So everyone was trained to a a higher spec. But what we're doing after lockdown is actually we're having colour appointments much longer um so we're doing three possibly four on our late nights of clients just one client at a time right um so yeah it'll be built in and uh, you know as, as talking about this because you've you've set up you're setting it all up and you've had time to reevaluate and all those things are you do you charge for consultations do you take deposits uh, do you feel that 
going forward with people prepaying and stuff like that. How do you feel about all, all of those things, Georgia? Uh, we don't charge for consultation, but if, we, uh, if you do book, then you are required to leave a deposit. But we have just changed our system to Forest Software. So with that, uh, clients will put the card details in and if they don't show, they'll take a small fee. But if, they, if there's no shows, then they will be charged. Yeah. You know. I think that for me... Coming out of this, it's probably the the biggest change that's happened to our industry. Besides the fact that we've not been able to work for 89 days, <laughs> the, the fact that we can now, you know, the pre-booking, taking the client's credit cards. I think that the, as an industry, we suffer so badly as a whole with no shows and people cancelling at the last minute. Yeah. And that's just going to eliminate that. Yeah. And as a colourist as well, Jack, you'll know this. As, as any creative person, actually, time is money. Time is money. You know, three hours to me is it's it's such a huge amount of time. You know, but and if you have one of those um, one of those a week, that's a massive drop. And if you multiply that by all of your staff that have one of those a week, and you've got there's four of you, it's just it's beyond ridiculous. It, it, do you know what? It can amount to about a hundred grand loss by the end of the year. You know, yeah. if you look at it from a business perspective. So you know, absolutely, it's absolutely even when clients you know don't don't book back in time. That's a massive loss as well, you know? And, it, of course, it, it creates more work for us. Yeah, I think we've, we've all had time to sit back and reflect, I think. And for those who are proactive, then they'll put changes into place, I hope. Anyway, I hope my, that's my hope for the industry. Let's go back a little bit on your journey. You said earlier in the, the, um, the podcast that you started reaching out to hairdressers to ask them for help or to ask them questions that's obviously on social yeah absolutely well the first time actually was I I wrote a handwritten letter to somebody that I really wanted to work with in London which was Sophia Hilton and I ended up you know working with her for two years but everyone else yeah I reached out on social and I, I was assisting BHAs I was helping people like Brandon Messenger um you know anyone that really inspired me um, I just asked for help. And do you know what? I think as an industry, we're incredibly giving. I think we are too. I think we're definitely that. What were you asking for help for? I just wanted to become a better colourist. I wanted to become, you know, better at, at what I do. Right. And like I said before, if you're, if you're at the forefront of a team and if you've kind of winged it for like seven years and then you've opened a salon and then you see another side, you know, a lot of people that open salons, Jack, They've come from a, an incredibly amazing salon, you know, or they've had an amazing career. I never did all that. I had three kids um, pretty close to each other. It, came, it became about survival. So I really went to a salon because I needed to put food on the table and all the, all the great training and all the competition work and all the exciting stuff was completely forgotten about mm. because it was just like you become like a cash cow, you know? So actually when I had the opportunity and I opened my salon, I, I wanted better for myself and I wanted better for my team. I wanted people to come in and train us. I wanted to be able to go and see things and bring it back and inspire other people. I wanted to get into education, but I didn't know how. So right. I I thought I've got to go I'll go work for free and that's exactly what I did I went to London one one day a week you know I, I had to get up at 4am to get into London at peak time at 8.30 and then I used to get home at midnight but it, it was hard I remember when was, you were doing that it was so worth it yeah like it, it showed me a different side and then through that Sophia's helped me with my own education uh, and, and so now 
I go and teach people, and that's that's amazing. But it, it was a you know three years a real hard graft. Yeah. But everything that's worth having is 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 hard, isn't it? Were the kids older at that point then? Because well, there's lots of moms out there who are working hairdressers and moms and wives and girlfriends and all those things. Were, were your kids older? Because they don't they don't look that old to me. No. So my daughter will have been two when I first started. Wow. Or about, about one about eighteen months when I first started, and then my. Uh, my my eldest will have been six, and my other one will have been four. How did you navigate that? <laughs> I've got a really supportive husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the only way that you can ever do that. Yeah, because that's like working full-time in the salon, three kids, a husband, and then doing those ridiculously long days on your own time to better yourself takes... A lot of stamina, and I'm sure some things had to be sacrificed in that. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of people see me on social media and, and my life will look quite exciting, but in actual fact, it's really structured, so it's got to be. So it means I get, you know, to try and build my social media, to try and build my own brand, it means that I get up at 5am. I do two hours on, on Instagram, on social. Um, it, it, it really is relentless. Yes. But I think when you are a business owner or, you know, when you, maybe when you look after your own business, that is, that is what it takes. It takes that commitment. It does take that commitment. And so many people just say, oh, I can't do that. I haven't got time for it. But you've found the time in that. And, of course, the rewards have been rather amazing, really, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's... Uh, I really feel I really feel proud of my progression, um, and I'm still always learning. And I'm, you know, I still love to learn from people. But yeah, it, it, the rewards have been fantastic. It's great when you look at your team and you say you can see the level of progression in them, and it makes you feel that makes you feel really proud. Absolutely, and you should be proud of everything you've done with your own logo on a Demon brush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. I mean, talk about branding yourself. I mean, you, that brand, that branding's really clear when I see that logo. I know exactly who that is. That's you. Yeah, I, I really had an amazing logo designer for that. Actually, and he really, um, his name's Carver, and he really listened to what I what I wanted, and I really wanted it. I, I, I made myself the brand, you know, and I think that that's quite in. That's quite important. But, you know, that's always for my education. Society is going to be very different. It's more about the team. Uh, but for my education, I really wanted to sort of say, this is what I am kind of thing. And, yeah, Denman are a fantastic company to work for. So, I mean, I, I love that. Oh, yeah. I'm a, you know I'm a big fan of Denman too. So we'll just do a little plug there for your brush and my brushes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, your brushes are amazing, actually. No, they're, they're, a, great, they're a great company to work for. So education, how did you, you've, you're in London um, assisting, you're running the salon, the kids, and then <laughs> education. Yeah, so I, well, it took a good a sort of a year and a half. So yeah. initially when I was helping Sophia, it was just at the salon. And then, you know, I really went and worked very hard, Jack. So she said, oh, why don't you come and do the academy? Uh, and then that way you'll see all of our techniques. And then from that you kind of say, oh, I could take a little bit out of that and I could take a little bit out of that and I could create my own. But it took a good year and a half. Yes. And I, I actually went to Sophia and I said, this is what I'd like to do. Uh, you know, she sat down, she sat me down, she talked to me about it. Um, and really, education was never on the cards. But from putting my work out there, 
people were, you know, messaging me on Instagram and just asking if um, if I would teach teach them what, what I do, you know. So I sat down, I devised a programme and then just slowly built it from there. I mean, before lockdown, I was due to be going to Italy, Jersey, it was <laughs> but then obviously lockdown yeah. happened. But I'm hoping eventually... Um, I'm hoping eventually it'll all go back to normal. It'll all become something, won't it? And we'll all learn how to deal with it. I think that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. So Instagram has obviously been an amazingly powerful tool for you that has mm. not launched your career, but has made a change, been able to change your career, as well as your hard work and your tenacity, which obviously speaks through this conversation. Um, when did you realise that Instagram was going to be something that could really work for you? Uh, I just, uh, do you know what? It's, I think everything's done on social media. And I think when I first came, I've only been on Instagram two and a half years. Um, but you know what? It's enabled, I mean, if it wasn't for social media, we wouldn't know each other. Nope. We wouldn't know, you know, there wouldn't be any of this connection podcast, anything going on. Nope. Um, so when you look at people on Instagram, I thought this is, this is actually like, this is the way that you sell yourself if you like you know you can be whatever you you want to be whether you want to push your education whether you want to push your salon get more clients you know I've got two Instagrams so I've got my Georgia Bell which is very education focused and then I've got society which is very client focused because I think the way that you attract and speak on them is very different you know if you're trying to attract a hairdresser you use more technical stuff you show more um applications stuff like that than what you would do on your salon page but I just, I've always built it organically, but it, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it takes about four, three or four hours a day. Well, you, you know, for two and a half years, you're at 12.4k, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's took a lot of work, but yeah, yes. I'm, I'm glad because, you know what, even, it's not the biggest following in the world, but it's all organic, so it's, it, it's, all, it's all valuable because it's people that really want to follow me yes. and people that interact with me. So then that's been amazing. So a lot of people, you know, booked education via my Instagram or, you know, I give advice via my Instagram. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real valuable um, tool, I think. Absolutely. And I, I think the message that you just said there is really important and that we try and talk about it a lot with people. It's not always numbers. Like a lot of people would look at that and go, God, that's a lot of followers. Um, but what it's about is actually talking to the community, whether it's the, the women that come to the salon or the women in the area that you want to attract to the salon or it's people around the country or around the globe that you want to educate. You need to talk to them and you need to engage with them. And that's, I think, is the difference between a good account and a bad account. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of people with, with, a fake, with fake followings, but that's only good for your ego, isn't it? If, if you really want to monetize your social media, you really want to make money from it. Yes. You really want to sell your education or get a message out there. Um, share your opinion it's important that you know who you're speaking to is interested in what you've got to say absolutely there's no point talking to somebody um in australia that's not interested you or in india that's not interested in you that you've you know you need to be speaking to an audience that wants to know what you've got to say yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more but yeah instagram i think instagram and the education and the journey i've been on has has really it's changed my life for the better yeah absolutely for the better yeah. So you're and you're very well branded now, as in your look, your glasses, the whole thing. You've got to look. I know when it's you. I just I could just see a flash of hair and maybe a rim of a glass, and I'm like, I know it's you. How did you figure that out? I was just. Oh, do you know what? I was always. I I always believe with branding. I remember I did a presentation course with Edward uh, with Alan D. Edward Hemingway. Yes. And um, 
I talked about always wearing my hat and I just did it from whenever I went to a show or a colour show or whatever. I always, I've always wore glasses with no lenses in them. I've always worn red lipstick and I've always worn a hat because I just think it's a really great way to be, to be recognised. People will recognise you, you know. And in the same breath, if I don't want to be recognised, I could wear like trackies <laughs> and no hat. <laughs> so you can go incognito when needed. Yeah, absolutely, if you need to do that. So, yeah, I just, I just always keep that look because I just think it's recognisable. And I always wear really big daft earrings as well, and that's just what people were picking up on. So mm. I, just kept, I just kept it, you know? You ran with it. Really, I think, very clever piece of marketing there, I think. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was that you're so confident on camera, like crazy confident. I've watched you. Um, how... Is that something natural to you or is that something that you've had to work on? Because a lot of people are frightened of going on camera, yet you're, you're right there. Everything's perfect in the background. And I know that doesn't take, with three kids in the house and a husband, that, that takes time to get that all ready and everything. But where did that come from? Or do you think that was just inherent in you? Listen, I, I could send you like a thousand outtakes. I think it all takes uh, all take, takes practice. So I don't think anything. And I think this is really a really good point, this Jack, actually, because people can be put off by doing videos um, and going on camera because what they see is a very polished version. Now, it, it, it took me a lot of time to get good in front of the camera and I also did a lot of presentation courses yes you know I also work with a lot of people um, to help me with my presentation skills and the way that I do my videos um, and you know obviously it, you always get a little bit nervous but the more stage shows you do the more you you know put yourself out there it does get a little bit easier but you know we all make mistakes and it, it all can be quite nerve-wracking but I think lockdown as well has been a great opportunity to um you know, get in front of the camera more and put your message out there. So, yeah, yeah I encourage it. I, I mean, I personally know that it, you don't do it, know it all straight away, but um, you are just very confident on there and you obviously worked hard at it then, which I think is brilliant. So for everyone listening, you can do this. If, if we can do this, you can do this. Yeah, absolutely. It just, you, you've got to, you know, social media is also very good at putting that, like mist in front of your eyes, you know, where people people don't stand and say, I had to practice this a hundred times to make sure it was perfect. I had to do four presentation courses. They just get on, get in front of the camera and then you automatically feel like you fail because you feel nervous. And that's just everything. If you want to be good at something, you've just got to practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. Well done for you on that. The other thing you've been really involved in, you've been involved in this sort of like new TV show, haven't you? Yeah, so I've been doing that with Dom Lehane um, yes. and Jordana Cabella. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's basically a hair magazine show. So we just aim to bring this to you weekly. Obviously, at the moment, we're doing it from all separate places because we can't meet up. Um, but yeah, we've got loads of stuff in there. Competitions, hair news. I do... Um, I do like an agony ant bit, which is called Brecky with Bell. No, I've seen that. So. I've not tuned into that yet, but I've seen that on Instagram. Where yeah. did that come from? I mean, this is amazing that you've just, you've created, you, I mean, obviously I'm not going to say that you haven't worked hard because you have, but you've created this whole excitement around you. Well, I, 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 that's, thank you. Uh, that's nice to hear. Do you know where it came from? I really like tacky stuff. So do you remember like Paula Yates on Big Breakfast? Yes, of course. And I was just like, I really want to be like, I, I like, I like serious stuff. I like hair news. I like to hear about the hair industry, but I like to have a laugh as well. Right. So I thought my sort of what I want to bring to the show is 
you know, I want to know people's dilemmas. I want to know what's going on in the salon. Like, let me be that person that answers it. But actually, up to now, we've had quite serious questions. So I've had to put like a bit of a disclaimer saying I'm not qualified to answer these. But I'm hoping as the show goes on, uh, we're going to get more lighthearted right. uh, questions, especially, you know, when we're back in the salon. But we're also going to be doing like hairdressing horror stories as well, like, you know, when you first started, what's the worst thing that happened to you on the salon floor and stuff like that? Oh, my God, I'm we've just... all got those. Oh, we have, and I've had some corkers, so, yeah. <laughs> mm. Really funny ones. Brilliant. Just an absolutely great chat. Before we go, what is your Instagram account? Tell everyone, I know what it is, but obviously, what is it? Um, so, it's Georgia Bowl Hair, and my um, salon one is Society Rotherham. Fantastic for coming on today, Georgia. I mean, really interesting story. I mean, tenacious hardworking and dedicated are three words that I would attribute to you straight away. Oh, thank you, um, Jack. You've done so, so well, but it's been, it's not just luck, it's been a lot of hard work and it's an amazing to hear your story. Oh, thank you, Jack. And thank you so much for having me on today. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I've enjoyed talking to you too and I can't wait till we can have a drink at a bar somewhere. Me too. Bring <laughs> out the wine. <laughs> Bring out the wine. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor.com. <laughs>